You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, JC softball team. As long as, you know, uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, the, the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know, that crap like that. You know, all this stuff that's contaminated America where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring Little League anymore. Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? Turn that damn you Hey buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and it's day three of media days. <laughs> I'm joined by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, man, I got to be honest with you, Shane. There was, you know, I'm enjoying this media day coverage. I'm enjoying all the content that we have to discuss. I am enjoying event, really, but it was lacking a little bit. It's not lacking anything anymore, (laughs) Shane, because... no. Oklahoma weather and come sweeping down the plane. <laughs> oh boy, they dropped a bomb on us. Uh, it was Brent Zerneman of the uh, Houston Chronicle first broke the news that Oklahoma and Texas won into the SEC. Mm-hmm. Let's kick it over to uh, Brent just real quick. He breaks it down. He was on the Paul Feinbaum show. Talk about uh, what you know at this point in time. Texas and Oklahoma have reached out to the SEC to make it a 16-team conference, and the insider who clued me into this said that there could be an announcement within even in the next few weeks that they could join the conference. And Boy, man, oh. this is going to change the SEC as we know it if it happens, and it's, uh, it's by understanding that uh, of the 14 teams in the league, they only need 11 to say yes to expansion. So, you know, I'll, I'll throw it to you. What do you think about this Texas-Oklahoma? Would you be in favor of it? Would you be against it? What are your thoughts? Mike, I, I mean, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I, As a Tennessee fan at the bottom of this conference already, <laughs> it's like, you know, I mean, because I've already seen some projections like if this happens – they're probably going to be in the West. We're looking at adding Alabama and Auburn to the East. And it's just like, golly, I, you know, am I ready for that? But, you know, I've been preaching that this thing is eventually going to go to probably four conferences, 16 teams. You know, it's just, just 
that's the future of college football. And if you're going to do it, why not bring two of the best teams outside of your division in? I, I, I think it's going to make for better product. I know a lot of people are going to say, well, you'll never get in the college football. I, I'm telling you, man, if they come over, you're going to have two lost teams getting in the playoffs. They're already gearing for that. They're expanding the playoffs as we speak. So don't worry about that. You're going to have two lost teams getting in. But it's going to make for some dynamic and exciting football. You know, so I thought maybe we would add maybe an Oklahoma Clemson, but getting both Texas and Oklahoma doesn't surprise me, especially now that Disney's involved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me, uh, here's my thoughts on it, Shane. I think that if this does happen, and again, there's, you know, it's no guarantee at this point, but if it happens, I don't think there's going to be divisions anymore Mm-mm. because 16, I think is just too, uh, unmanageable unless they do like what they did last year where it's SEC only schedule and it and you know that is very unlikely to happen because you got so many great rivalry games like Florida Florida State and, and South Carolina Clemson and, and Louisville and Kentucky mm-hmm. and on and on and on they're not going to do away with those games so I have no idea how they're going to do it but I don't think I think we'll be done with East and West I really do you think it'll be like a full rotation um, like let's just Hypothetical, 16 teams, you're thinking they're just going to rotate this thing. I think they'd have to. Yeah. And I think that's the only way to, to pull it off with a league that big. And I also think, now here's a big one. I think that uh, the NCAA, as we know it, with all the changes, yeah, I think it's going away. And I think this is the SEC, and I think this is Texas and Oklahoma knowing that's going to happen, and they're basically getting their ducks in a row and saying the NCAA, you know, kind of dissolves. Yeah. We are going to make sure that, you know, imagine the Pac-12 or something, if they gobbled up Texas and Oklahoma, mm-hmm. all of a sudden they're a lot more relevant. Or maybe if the Big Ten got them. Or, you know, I don't know who it would be, but I think this is just the SEC getting out in front of it and saying, you know, if those two teams are out there, free agents, so to speak, yeah. Uh, let's go, let's gobble them up because it makes the most sense to put them in the SEC, I think. Well, and I'm I'm not super worried about these teams, man. I, I know it's early. A lot of people are saying, golly, you know, Oklahoma. Well, you got to remember, Oklahoma ain't paying, playing SEC teams eight times a year, you know? So I, I right. think when you get you, – you go to the playoffs, you're getting the best of Oklahoma at that point. I'm, I'm not saying that their conference is garbage, but there's a reason that we're talking about rumors of them leaving it. So um, I, I I don't know I I mean it's easy as a as a ten, as a like I said as a Tennessee fan to sit back and say oh God here we go again <laughs> you know it's getting harder ninety eight is getting further <laughs> away you know but I, I tell you, college football is so crazy and so wild it, it, it's a cycle and and if these teams get over here you know I mean here we're talking about Texas A and M. Uh, potentially competing for an SEC championship this year. You know, we weren't saying that when they first got into this conference. So there's no telling what this is going to look like, how this plays out. But, you know, we all know in the back of our minds it's coming. So I want, if it's me, I want two of the best teams to enter this conference. I don't want them going to 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 the Big Ten or something like that and, and strengthening their ship. You know, I, oh. I want to, to maintain our dominance. we got to have the best teams in the league, so why not? Come on, bring it, baby. You know, I, I, I'm ready to – I think it's going to make for great football. 
Yeah, and I love the point you made. Hell, every time one of these playoff Oklahoma squads faces the SEC, they get they lose anyway. So uh, maybe <laughs> exactly. they're not all they're cracked up to be. You know what? Exactly. Aren't you tired of that? I mean, it's all these teams out there, uh, Notre Dames and, and Clemsons and stuff that are sitting out there. Because here's what you're going to see, Mike. You're going to see once this happens, you're going to see the other conferences trying to strengthen themselves mm-hmm. and, and start recruiting some of these teams in. And and you're not going to have these one-offs. You're not going to have these Clemson programs sitting out there that's played absolutely nobody and then get smashed in the college football playoffs. You're not going to have that anymore. So I, I think it's going to filter all the bullshit. Yeah, and to go along with what you just said, now he may just be trolling, but the, uh, the new Pac-12 commissioner, if anybody saw it, he put out an interesting tweet. He just said, Man, uh, one of my first days here, it got very, very interesting. So the <laughs> insinuation there is, uh, you know, not Texas and Oklahoma, but probably the other teams in that league, probably giving him a call saying, hey, if if the Big 12 disbands or whatever, can we get in with the Pac-12? So, you know, who knows the dominoes that could occur from all this? Let, let me ask you something, Mike. Um, I joked earlier about Disney getting involved. Well, uh, you know, there is a massive, massive media deal on the books right now that, mm-hmm. you know, when, I, when exactly is this uh, transpired? I believe, you know, I don't have it in front of me. I think it's 2025, mm-hmm. which is the same time, coincidentally, that uh, Texas and Oklahoma can get out of their Big 12 TV contract. So it, it kind of all lines up. <laughs> I'm not saying I got a tinfoil hat on, Mike, but <laughs> I just, I mean, this may be already in the works and we didn't know it. And, and now the, you know, somebody, you know, somebody left their email open and, and, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, well, hell, let's try to get ahead of this thing. So I don't know. I, I just think there's too many moving pieces that just coincidentally talk in a minute about conspiracies. I, I just think that, too many things are matching up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, hey, before we get into the uh, football content, I did want to share these little quick clips here. Jimbo reacting to the news because the news literally broke as he's going up to the podium. So you knew he was going to get asked about it. And then uh, Ross Bjork, the AD down there at Texas A&M, he was also down there, jumped on the Paul Feinbaum show. Uh, their reactions were pretty classic. I don't know if you've heard this, but there's a report in the Houston Chronicle that, that Texas and Oklahoma are inquiring about joining the SEC. <laughs> I bet they would. <laughs> what, what would you think about something like that? I don't know. I'm just worried about A&M. You know what I mean? Uh, listen, we got the greatest league in ball. So, I mean, you know, that, that's the choices they make or what they do. I don't know. But I don't know how I feel about it. I'm just worried about A&M. I'll control what I want to control here. <laughs> Coach, let's talk about uh, what is expected, uh, regardless of who comes in the league in a couple of years. I'll uh, say this. Uh, be careful what you ask for when you jump in this league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ross Bjork is here as well, uh, the athletic director. Uh, Ross, thanks for being here. And uh, tell us what you know about this and, and what you think. Yeah. Well, Paul, as we were chatting off air a little bit, uh, I, I came here to support our players to Marvin and, and Kenyon and Coach Fisher and just hadn't seen the media in a while and uh, I thought it'd be good to just get out and about in, in the SEC footprint and uh, kind of catch up with a lot of people in the industry and, uh, and I walk in 
and pretty much the news was hitting as we were walking in the hotel and so I was caught off guard just like you were and just like a lot of people here in uh, in Hoover were caught off guard and you know our our position is look there's a reason why we left the Big 12 back in 2011 and started in July 1st of 2012 is that we wanted to have a standalone identity in the state of Texas and all the turmoil that was happening in college athletics at the time and so the SEC has been a perfect fit for us and we believe that we want to maintain that that same identity um, perhaps there's a reason why Texas and Oklahoma are, are looking around if that's the case um, I think Jimbo said it on the podium of course they do they want yeah they want to be in the SEC it's the best conference so there's a lot of uncertainty I think right now in college athletics so I think this type of story fuels that a little bit but from our perspective we love being in the SEC. We love being the only program in the state of Texas, and uh, we're going to maintain that position. Um, but we're also going to make sure that we are a leader in college athletics, and, and we'll see what the future holds. All right. So, uh, <laughs> hey, Jimbo knows all about it, man. I mean, it's taken going into year four. It's been a constant build, and we're still sitting here saying, you know, can they beat Alabama? So I uh, mm-hmm. only can imagine what that – uphill climb is going to be like for Oklahoma and Texas if and when they jump into the SEC. What about that, man? They've been hiding from Texas A&M for four years, you know, and now <laughs> and now they're going to have to start playing them. I just think about some of these matchups we would have, Texas and Alabama, you know, Oklahoma and Georgia. I mean, there's going to be some, some great games if this thing transpires. So, um, I'm looking forward to it, Mike. I, I first it caught me off guard, you know. <laughs> I was just like, man, we ain't ever getting to the SEC championship. But, <laughs> but the more I thought about it, I was like, you know, let's let's face it, it's 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 pure entertainment. Don't be surprised if they don't go to an all SEC schedule. So um, I, I'm looking forward to it, man. Yeah, well, let's get into the action, Shane, because we have four teams again: Texas A&M, Alabama, Mississippi State, and Vanderbilt. We're down in Hoover for SEC Media Days. And if you missed any of it, you know, we've been saying this. We're going to keep reminding you guys. We've got every single video from Hoover on our YouTube page. That's blowing up this week. So head on over to That SEC Podcast on YouTube. Just search it out, and you'll see each and every video. We love playing the clips, but we got the entire videos up Mm -hmm. on the YouTube page. So check that out. But, uh, you know, we're talking Texas A&M, so let's just stick with them. You know, the big thing now is you just went 9-1, and one, but you still have not slain that the beast of the West there in Tuscaloosa. That's the goal. How are you going to get it done? Is this the year? You're hosting Alabama. And, you know, I know everyone's got that game circled. Going into Kyle Field, there's going to be over 100,000 people. It's going to be wild. But the reality is... Some, I know you like to tease me sometimes because I talk about the past. I that's got nothing to do with the, the season to come. <laughs> but Alabama has just made that a house of horrors for Texas yeah. A&M in the previous years. So, you know, they got to be careful uh, not to put all their eggs in one basket. But, you know, in reality, that's the, the final thing that Texas A&M needs to – final hurdle they have in the SEC is beating Alabama – I know they did it with Johnny Manziel, but I'm thinking more about the Jimbo Fisher era because they're not getting to Atlanta until they beat Alabama. Do you think this is I'm not I'm not asking you to predict, you know, the outcome here, but do you think this team has the capability of beating Alabama this year? Absolutely, man. I absolutely freaking lutely. I in fact, 
you know, we're going to get into, you know, I'm sure they're going to come out and do the predictions here at the end of the, the thing. Don't mm-hmm. be surprised if I don't have A&M winning the West. That's how confident I am about this program. I, I think about them last year. You know, there's no reason that a one-loss SEC team should not have an opportunity to get in the college football playoff. That's exactly what they accomplished last year in playing 10 SEC games. They only lost to the to the national champ. That that still blows my mind. And, and, and now you're going to have a program. Yes, are they missing a quarterback? Absolutely. But now you got Jimbo's hand-picked quarterback coming in. Mm-hmm. I, I think that they're going to be in pretty good shape this coming up year and, and a dangerous team in the West. Well, let's kick it over to Jimbo Shane. He had a lot to say uh, on one thing in particular that we've not really discussed is, uh, you know, they've not won the West, but they everybody recognizes them as one of the, the best programs in the nation currently. So, you know, they got a, there's a challenge there of, of they're no longer the hunter. They're being hunted. So that's uh-huh. something that the Aggies have to, to deal with this season. And then, of course, uh, the, the Alabama question came up, and I love Jimbo's response about – you know, how hard he works because that's how hard he knows Nick Saban's working. So he's got to meet him halfway there uh, on the quarterback competition and then on the uh, weapons that are surrounding whoever that next quarterback is going to be. After going 9-1, and one, you guys are obviously no no longer flying under the radar at all. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to be giving you your best shot. Is that kind of what you, you expect? And how do you, you know? Well, that's where you want to be. You want to be, you want to be relevant. You want to be everybody's game that they mark on the calendar. That means you're doing what you're supposed to do, and you become the organization you want to become. And now we have to deal with that, and we have to handle that, and we have to understand the responsibilities that go with that and the standard at which we have to play and practice and prepare which each and every week. Jimbo, as they say, iron sharpens iron. Uh, how has coaching with Nick Saban 20 years ago and now against him in the same conference helped make you better? Oh, I mean, it, it, your standard of how you know that you're not going against a team that's not ill-prepared, you're not going against a team that's not very talented because they recruit well, and they're going to be able to handle big situations. So if you want to match that, you better be at your best, and it keeps you at your best all year round. Just like he, he lives it every, every day of the year, I live it every day of the year. And if you don't, you can't meet that standard. And, you know, he's done a great job of that. And that's the way he was when I coached for him. And that's the way we, he definitely is now that I'm going against him. There's no doubt. What's the quarterback battle like? I know you've been asked that a lot. But, you know, just how close are you to, to naming a starter? Well, they'll, they'll name the starter. I won't know how they play and what they do. And I'm very blessed to have two guys that I'm very confident with. Those guys can – Zach's tough. He's competitive. He's – Mentally tough. He understands the offense. He can run. People don't understand how good athlete he is. Haynes really knows what's going on. He's competitive, tough, throws the ball really well. So we got two excellent guys. So I'm looking forward to the battle coming fall camp. I mean, I don't know. I'll know when I know and when they tell me. <laughs> Given that, how nice is it to have Isaiah Spiller, Devon oh. Chain, Jalen Watermeyer? I mean, your weapons are plentiful around those quarterbacks, but do they have to play well too, right? Well, they do. They have to. Their, their game's got to go up. But like you say, you got all three leading receivers back. You got a nice who's phenomenal, as good a player as anybody. Hez and Chase, all three of your top receivers. You got Wiedemeyer's All American tight end. You got Spiller, who's got All American caliber back. You got a chain who's MVP of the game. So all those skill guys around those guys are played. Then, then you get people forget, you get Caleb Chapman back. Chapman was playing pretty daggone good when uh, had a pretty good Florida game and some games before he got hurt. Demas is in there. JP's in there. Uh, getting Moose Muhammad back in there, get Devin Price in that group. I mean, all those guys, getting those guys back, it's a great group of guys. And to have quarterback to break them in, you want all your skill guys and all those guys around with experience. And that's going to be a huge part of their success, which I think is going to be a big advantage for those guys. Coach, you got to replace four starters from the offensive line last season. When you have that many holes to fill in a unit, 
what's the process of figuring out who fits best where and, and how well, to get them all experimentation and where you put and what you think guys are and but again I, i'm saying this i think we're very talented there i'm very blessed and getting jameer in having experience helps luke is really a older guy you don't realize think of him as a young guy but he i mean you know he's an older guy who's really knowledgeable and then of course, Layden has played some, has done really well, powerful. Aki does a great job. So I'm very excited about that group along with the backups in which we have and then uh, the young freshmen we're bringing in. So I'm, I'm, anxious, I'm really anxious to watch that group grow because, I mean, it's a very talented group of guys. All right, Shay. So, hey, I'd, we don't have a clip for it, but uh, there was a story that I was told here at Media Days. Apparently, Jimbo took a vacation to Tanzania, which I think is like in Africa or something. Uh-huh. He and his family went to – Tanzania this all season and he said I only had Wi-Fi at night so I, I may have been eight hours ahead of College Station but I was texting with recruits every night because recruits don't stop <laughs> that speaks to what he's talking about here man about uh, you know Nick Saban never is is never ever gonna stop and that's why you know he's got that machine down there and he's 70 years old and he looks like he's 45 because you know he he doesn't do anything but work his ass off so yeah uh you know jimbo fisher i think is meeting him there and i think that's why the aggies look like such a force in the sec you know what yeah i i think i think that's very important and we always talk about saban's disciples and and, and that's one thing you know if you know what the best is doing you got to outdo the best and that and i can only imagine how hard nick saban works uh to to make sure that this thing keeps rolling Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher, he knows what's going in the pudding, you know? Mm -hmm. He knows what it takes, and so he's got to work 10% harder. So, yeah, that means there's no there's no off time, man. You, talk, you can't even take a vacation without texting recruits. That's part of college football these days. Yeah, and that's what he knows, and I think that's why they're on the right track. And another thing that tells me that, Shane, and they had offensive lineman Kenyon Green and defensive lineman DeMarvin Leal down there in Hoover – and, man, they are not resting on anything they accomplished last season. In fact, Leal said, well, hell, we didn't get the job done last year. And I'm sitting here saying, you finished number four in the nation. You went 9-1 and one in the SEC. But he's right because that's not the goal at A&M right now. Mm -hmm. The goal is to win the SEC. The goal is to make the college football playoff. They did fall short, and here's what they're trying to do about it this offseason to overcome that. You guys have – nine starters coming back on, on defense. How special can the, this year's group be? Uh, this year's groups, um, this group can be very special. Just having so much experience and just being able to know our standard as a whole and being able to teach the young guys what it's like to play in the SEC before the games and the season starts. So it's going to be amazing. Given the way last year ended, how close you were to the playoff, what's the vibe after spring and just the confidence of this team right now continue, seems like it continues to grow. The team can grow every day. You know, we, we know what our standard is, and we know exactly what we did last year that we didn't succeed in. And so being able to correct those is very important to us. And also just being able to just uh, let it be known that we're not done yet. Like last year was just a glimpse of what we can do. What have you seen from uh, Zach and Haynes? I know you're on the other side of the ball, but you get to kind of go against them. So what have you seen from the two young quarterbacks battling out to be Kellen's replacement? I've seen them mess up and take all that yelling, all that adversity, and not let it phase them. I've seen them step up to the plate, both of them.
seen them compete against each other. I've seen them help each other. I've seen them become leaders of the offense like we needed them to be. Jimbo always talks about building on success and, and you know, repeating it. You guys went 9-1 last year. How do you take that next step forward this year? Well, we can't worry about last season. You know, that's in the past. We got to worry about what we have now. It's a whole new team. Uh, we got new players, you know, new people on the staff. So just got to focus, focus on what we have now and um, just build off of that. Hey, Kenyon, you're, you're one of the guys tasked to protect whoever ends up winning the starting quarterback job. So what have you seen from Zach and Haynes in the battle so far? Uh, both of them doing a awesome job, awesome job. Um, I'm glad, I'm proud of both of them. You know, they're going out there, you know, being a leader. When they get their chance to get in, they, um, they make sure they, they take care of business. And I like that. So whoever gets it, you know, I'm glad, extremely happy. You know, whoever gets it, I'm proud of them. All right, Shane. So, like I said, man, I really like these comments here from uh, particularly DeMarvin Leal. But also one thing that stood out to me with the uh, quarterback competition between Hayes King and Zach Calzada, both the guys, they mention leadership without even being prompted to comment on that. So mm-hmm. it, it certainly sounds like whoever it is that's going to win this quarterback competition has already got the support of his team. And maybe that's why – you know, this is such a heated competition because uh, I think a lot of these competitions, the coaches just kind of say that they're a competition so that someone doesn't transfer. Yeah. This this feels like a true competition down here in College Station. And, and honestly, you love to hear it because if it's that close, you, you know that you're going to get a better product when they finally decide who is quarterback one. So nobody likes quarterback controversy, but – the fact of the matter is you've got one down there and you're hoping that this competition is going, like I said, it's going to make whoever does win this job. Hopefully that it's a better product because they got somebody, you know, two feet behind them, just waiting for that perfect opportunity. Well, all right, Shane, look, we got to talk about uh, the defending national champions made the short drive over to Hoover from Tuscaloosa roll tide Alabama and you know you see unfortunately (laughs) this year you know the fans are not allowed in the event but they they (laughs) it was so weird how they had it they had it roped off like 30 feet away and you got all these Alabama fans you had the ring champion hat guy (laughs) and Saban getting out of his Mercedes waving to the people like uh like he's a president of the United States or something (laughs) but Hey, that's the wild scene down there, man. These people, even though they knew they couldn't even get close to them, they were going to make their way down to Hoover. You know, it was interesting because a lot of times Nick Saban shows up to these things and he certainly seems like he's got some message he's got to get out or, you know, he's angry about something or he doesn't like the transfer portal or or God knows what. But this year was kind of a mostly about the NIL and and all that and, and a lot of talk about Bryce Young and some talk about Texas A&M, but, you know, not a lot of uh, big, bold comments, I didn't think, from Nick Saban. Did you think? No, no, I I, I don't. And I was kind of surprised it was as tame as it was. There was there were some moments I thought they were going to get him, but <laughs> but no, I, I, Saban kind of just, you know, hey. I mean, you're coming off an undefeated season, winning another national champ. I mean, what what is what else is there to talk about? My quarterback's getting paid? Hell, they're getting paid before I got here, you know? (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, so let's kick it over to what uh, Coach had to say. He talked about, uh, again, Texas A&M coming up as a, a contender in the SEC. Uh, I really liked his comments on, you know, I never heard any any coach talk about this yet, but the importance of uh, having fans back in the, in the stands, being completely full capacity, and how some of his players, you know, really were disappointed that uh, last season was their final year and just didn't get that experience that they they're used to getting with the with the full pack stadium and then even uh, you know this is how I knew Nick Saban was in a good mood because he got into uh, being a country boy from West Virginia and taking baths on the lake here so uh, this Saban was in rare form here Dave Aranda last week at Big 12 media days he said defense is now are getting more aggressive, getting negative plays, tackles for loss, stacks are more important. So he thinks that an evolution might be 12 personnel, 13 personnel, wide zone. Do you kind of see that, the college game going that way, or is it still important to spread it out and hit explosives in the vertical pass game? Um, what, what, what is 12 personnel? You know, I don't, I, I, I got to get up. Two tight ends? Yes, sir. And two wide receivers or one? I'm just kidding. I don't know what 12 personnel is. So. And I was just curious your thoughts on Texas A&M, what Jimbo Fisher's building there, and do you see them as legit contenders in the SEC West? I don't think there's any question about it. Jimbo's done an outstanding job there. Um, they had a really, really good team last year and a um, very challenging game for us. Uh, it's always difficult to play there, and we have to play there this year. And uh, I know they have a lot of good players, both sides of the ball. And I know Jimbo from, what, back in 2000 when we started out at LSU. Um, he's a great coach. He does a good job. He's a good recruiter. He's well-liked by the players. And he creates a culture on his team that, you know, enhances um, very good competition, players being competitive and putting themselves in, in the best position to have a chance to win. So. Uh, we have a lot of respect for Texas A&M and the kind of team that they're going to have this year. Going into last year with a limited capacity, how important is it as a coach for you to have your players have 100% with the fans uh, this year? And do you talk to Greg and your president about how important it is to have 100% capacity this year, Brian Denny? Uh, I think that from a player's perspective, uh, the players that went out early for the draft um, all had very sad eyes when they said that uh, the thing that I regret most is playing my last season and we didn't have 100% fans. So from a player's perspective, I know how important it is for uh, players to um, feel the energy, feel the enthusiasm, feel the passion, uh, because it is a great atmosphere and environment all over the SEC, but uh, also especially at Bryant-Denny Stadium for our players. And it's exciting, and they enjoy that part of the game and the excitement of the game and to be able to go out and try to perform well in front of a lot of people. Uh, and so it's, it's as important as anything to me, but it's also something that has to be safe for the people who do it. So uh, we don't want to minimize that, uh, even though we have a lot of enthusiasm uh, for that to happen. You mentioned vacation's over. I honestly have a really hard time picturing you on vacation, so I want to know how do you turn it off, and what does vacation look like when it doesn't involve golf or Lake Burton? Well, you know, I, I'm so obsessive-compulsive that we only go to Lake Burton in the summertime. That's the only place we go. And 
we go to our house at Gasparillo Island, which is Boca Grande in Florida in the wintertime when we have a few days. That's the only place we ever go. So, um, but I do, contrary to public opinion, um, enjoy sort of being away, uh, different circumstance, different environment. I really enjoy the lake. Um, you know, I play golf every morning. Um, people don't like the fact that I take a bath on the dock, dive in, soap up, dive in again, rinse off. It's, you know, kind of the hillbilly in me from West Virginia. Um, all right, Shade. So all I could think <laughs> about after he said this was, uh, you know, what would you do if you were on the lake going down your, your boat there or raft and, and you saw old Saban diving in and taking a... <laughs> <laughs> a bath in the lake <laughs> I, I gotta be honest with you Mike I, I'm as country as it gets and I don't think I've ever bathed in the lake you know what I'm saying <laughs> actually that sounds like it is just a lot of effort getting in the water jumping you know climbing the ladder getting back up there it sounds like it's a process I think you know just choose one of your eight bathrooms to take a shower before you go out there you know <laughs> so I don't know uh yeah, he's country, all right. So I, I'm I'm surprised now that he said this. You get I guarantee there's going to be some some Alabama fan out there with his GoPro trying to catch Saban getting him a quick bath in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> the sad thing is, I think you're 100 percent right on that one. Oh yeah, he does what? Honey, get the camera. We're <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's uh, skip it down to the players that were down there for the Crimson Tide. We had Fedarian uh, Mathis and John Mechie, and it was interesting. Uh, they both talked about Bryce Young, but kind of the, the key here for both these guys, I thought, is they talked about you know fighting off complacency and the, the Alabama standard. And you know I'm not trying to take away anything from Nick Saban because I believe firmly that he's the greatest coach of all time. But I think the true motivator down there in Tuscaloosa, uh, particularly in the offseason, you know, because the coaches are not always around the players, the true motivator is these players and the fact that, you know, if you slack, you're going to lose your spot because the roster is just absolutely loaded. And I think the young guys learn from the the older guys. They basically tell them, hey, you do this for three years, you're off to the NFL, you're going to be making money winning championships. And that's the sense that I got after hearing – uh, Mathis and Menchie. Uh About Texas A&M, I just want, do you see them as legit SEC West contenders this year? And could, could the game where you guys go to Kyle Field this year, could that be a big game? Definitely. Um, I definitely think Texas A&M is a good team, and I definitely think they will be good this year. And also playing at their stadium will be, um, will definitely be special. They definitely do have a great atmosphere there. People ask, how, how are you guys able to do this? You know, this dynasty that has been Alabama football for all these years. Is it the players holding each other accountable to a certain level combined with what Coach Saban holds you guys to? I mean, just in a few words or sentences, what, how are you able to do this? Um, definitely. I think it's definitely a combination of all of those um, with Coach Saban and the players. Um, I think it's um, the principles and values of the place, the standard that we have. Um, of discipline, toughness, commitment, um, effort, pride, all of those, and kind of just um, the players, um, us wanting to be great, um, just being competitive and holding ourselves to that standard. 
Uh, Bryce Young saw some action last year, but obviously with Mac taking most of the snaps uh, throughout the season. What did you see from him? I know that he had limited stats throughout the 2020 season, but how excited are you for what he can do heading into this camp? Um, I'm definitely excited for Bryce. Um, you kind of see that uh, he had um, an awareness out there. Um, he had all the tools. Um, so definitely, definitely, definitely excited to see him get comfortable in there and uh, play his game. Talking about shouting out your team, your quarterback Bryce Young, a, a lot of you know hype going into the season. What have you seen out of him as a leadership and a skill wise going into this year, replacing Mac Jones, a first round draft pick? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, I'm very excited for uh, Bryce Young. He stepped up being a leader. Uh, he more vocal, vocal now, and I'm um, I'm just very excited to see what he he you know does coming into fall camp. Is it any more challenging going into a season <clears throat> coming off a national championship where you know maybe you're afraid of guys getting complacent and just they expect to win? Yeah, you know, I think that's the very that's a very important thing, you know, to stay on guys about, you know, the last what what last year team did, you know. This is a whole new team and you know saying like we we can't think about that, you know, cuz we trying to get back to that point. I mean, we can use that as motivation, but you know, being cocky like we won, like we already won, you know, that's, that's not going to get us nowhere. So, All right, Shane. So, I mean, you hear it from these guys, and it, it just kind of – if there is a secret to, to the success in Alabama, it's just the fact that, you know, Nick Saban and, and his coaching staff and his program, the players, they've just – I don't want to say tricked the players, but they've just <laughs> – they've got it in them to where they know – you know, the standard, and the standard just never, ever seems to decline. And I think that's the true secret to their success down there. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I, I do. And I always I always go back to that that video that we put out uh, in the offseason, Saban recruiting, you know, mm -hmm. and he's talking to the guy, and he says, you know, one of the, the, the worst things that these other players or coaches can tell you is that, well, don't go to Alabama because you could come here and start immediately. He's like, that's the worst. He goes, I wouldn't be talking to you if I didn't think you could start at Alabama. Mm -hmm. And you're competing against the best. He, he went on to talk about, you know, the, the number one left tackle going against the number one right end, the number one cornerback going against the number one receiver, and, and so on and so forth. And, and, and that's – and it boils down. That's why they got so many damn players in the NFL, Mike. You know, it's a, it is – it's a combine every time that they that these boys get out there on the field. So it doesn't surprise me that the talent does just reloads. You know that old comment, we don't you know we don't rebuild, we reload. Alabama's mm -hmm. got it down to an art. Yeah, they really do. And uh hey, good for them. It's just kind of depressing to sit here and think about it. <laughs> yeah, that's right, man. There's a couple of people in Texas like, you sure you won't make this move? <laughs> <laughs> All right, next on the docket, Shane, Mississippi State. Mike Leach's anticipated debut, and man, did he live up to it. Came right out. Uh, no opening statement, you know, 10 seconds of an opening statement, whereas some of these. I got time for that, Mike. <laughs> Did you? Are you gonna play that? Are you gonna play that clip? Because I thought that that was hilarious. Yeah, let's play that because uh, you know some of these damn coaches come out here for twenty minutes talking about the damn roster. Yeah, Mike, like you said, Mike Leach does not give a damn about that. And I'll I'll play this one for you too, Shane. He was asked about uh, his Tennessee and the coup, and, and it, he's just happy that he that he didn't was not involved in that. 
All right, I'm not a big opening statement guy, and plus you guys are gonna ask whatever you wanna know anyway. So let's just go ahead and get started. Is there any questions? Was there a, a moment a few years ago when you were at Washington State that you thought you might be the next head coach at Tennessee? Uh, I talked to Tennessee, but that, you know, uh, that thing never, well, it did nothing, nothing ever got nailed down. And then pretty soon they had a coup d'etat there. And, uh, <clears throat> and, you know, you guys can uh, sort that among yourselves, but that's pretty well documented. And then, um, and so, uh, yeah, I didn't, uh, I, I didn't end up in the middle of the coup. So uh, uh, lucky for me. All right, so those were just some of the highlights from Coach Leach. But, uh, you know, I think Mississippi State, again, you know, listeners of this show, hell, remember we went through the record and, and kind of gave them a, you know, a thumbs up, thumbs down on their entire schedule. And yeah. eight, nine, even, you know, some of these fans thinking 10 wins, that's not totally unrealistic when you consider how well the defense played last year and what they really just need is that offense to come together and that's what happened at the tail end of last season. So, you know, the expectations are very, very high. There's a reason so many teams in the NFL are now running this air raid offense because the godfather of the air raid, Mike Leach, has been successful everywhere he's been. Uh -huh. And now that it's, it's made its way to the NFL and it's having so much success there, you know, that still gives Mississippi State such an edge that uh, you know, no, no other program in the SEC has got the mastermind of this offense here. And now going into year two of the system, I think everybody, even myself included, is underrating what this Mississippi State football team could be this year. I, they're almost like the ultimate wild card in the SEC, don't you think? They really are. And, and I think the big thing when you look at the Pirate is his track record. He, he he never does well his first year. It's the second year growth. And what we saw with Mississippi State from the beginning of the season to the end of the season leads you to believe. That's why they got all this hype coming out, Mike, because look at how much they progressed during the season. Imagine a full offseason with no COVID restrictions, mm -hmm. just getting out there and learning this offense I, I and, and getting more weapons. I'm telling you, man, Mississippi State – it's a sneaky team. We talked about Ole Miss. I don't want to play any team from Mississippi. I'll tell you that right <laughs> now. <laughs> it's just you because they could beat any program just by the way that they play offense. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's something that uh, Coach Leach was talking about uh, going into year two of his air raid system and how much smoother it will be. And he particularly noted that uh, the spring camp was so big for his program. So let's kick it over to Mike Leach. Coach, so Austin Williams also said that implementing the air raid this year after going through it a whole season, it's kind of easier, obviously. Uh, they're not learning as much. They're just being told where to go in the moment, and they're, they're picking it up a lot better. Have you noticed that it's gotten a lot smoother than it did that first year? Obviously, COVID and no spring ball, it, it hurt that. How much smoother has it looked in practice? Well, in spring, it definitely has. Uh, you know, instead of everybody thinking about uh, – things it's more automatic uh, uh, you know they get where they're supposed to be quicker and more precisely uh, you know which synchronizes things and as that happens it elevates the execution uh, we, we still got a ways to go no question but uh, yeah, it, it was a big improvement from the season 
All right, Shane, but uh, so it wasn't only Mike Leach talking about year two. Uh, the receiver, Austin Williams, also got into that on just how far uh, the progression of the offense has come along, and he too noted that uh, spring how big that would be for the Bulldogs. And then, you know, fans, SEC fans that may not know this name, I know he, he's a big name in Starkville, but get to know it now because he's the next great linebacker in the SEC, Aaron Brule on uh, the high energy around this program in the building. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that uh, he's one of these Louisiana guys that, you know, he's at Mississippi State. That, you know, that that's a that's a story as old as time, just like Dak Prescott, who yeah. probably, you know, LSU maybe strung him along or maybe didn't even want him. And he had to go to Mississippi State. And now he's one of the SEC's best players that gave him a chip on his shoulder that he still got today playing there for the Bulldogs. What are kind of your expectations for this offense uh, heading into this season? I definitely think we're going to be more consistent. You know, I'm looking for us to raise our level of play. Honestly, I loved how we finished last season. I thought we finished on a strong note. I'm looking for us to continue that and just continue to raise the bar and not be satisfied at all and just continue to grow. It, it, so far in, in the offseason in practice, um, I mean, is this a – you kind of see this being an explosive, you know, Fast-paced, high-powered offense this year. Oh yeah, definitely. I think we've uh, I think we've grown. Off-season has been huge for us. I know having spring ball has been a big part. Getting a lot of guys more reps. You know, just kind of getting used to the offense, figure out the intricacies of it. Uh, yeah, I know we're excited. We're feeling good. You know, we're ready to get rolling. Hey Austin. So new scheme year one. Take some time to learn. Obviously, there were some growing pains, but now year two as a wide receiver. How exciting is that offensive scheme under Coach Leach? Oh, we're definitely excited. Just, you know, have that consistency. It's a rep-spaced offense. You know, get a bunch of guys in it, having spring ball. You know, coming up on camp, starting here soon. Uh, we're excited. I think everybody's, you know, getting a better feel, better understanding. You know, like for installs now, we're not going to be like, oh, what is this? You know, we know what we're doing. We've done it plenty of times. Ready to roll. When you look at, uh, you know, last year and, you know, hopefully, you know, obviously get, getting better um, – this year, what what signs have you seen already that you guys are headed in the right direction, ready to take a step forward? Um, I've seen high energy from everybody in the, um, on the team. Uh, Coach Lisa's given us great advice on what to do this off season in order to be even better for next season, and um, just all the guys being on one tune and getting going. Just how tough is it being in the SEC West? You know, when week in week out, every opponent, you know, high competition, and do you? Um, embrace maybe being overlooked a little bit coming into a season? I mean, is that easier, harder for you? I know when I came to Mississippi State, obviously you see guys all around the league, the NFL and stuff like that, who come from Mississippi State. And when I chose to come to Mississippi State, I knew I would have to have that chip on my shoulder. And I already had that chip on my shoulder from being somewhat under-recruited and things of that sort. So, I mean, yeah, that's definitely what I look forward to, being at Mississippi State. All right, Shane. So, I mean, this is uh, this is what you want to hear from – you know, Austin Williams, the, the progression of the offense, and then Brule, I mean, like I said, you got that chip on his shoulder. That's kind of the edge that we saw from Zach Arnett's Mississippi defense. Remember, last time we saw him on the field, man, it was uh, the brutal brawl game, and, and that just, I mean, it just goes to display, you know, how much of an edge this defense has got to it, and uh, I like the fact that that carried over into the offseason, don't you? Absolutely. And you know what else is carrying over is this is this fan base. I, I mean, I knew there were some Hell State fans out there, obviously, but I'm telling you what, man, since the tail end of last football season with the baseball program, these guys are used to winning. 
and they want to continue to grow. I just, I'm happy for them because Mississippi State deserves nice things. And I'm telling you, the Pirate is bringing nice things to Starkville. Yeah, you know, I forgot about that, but that is a great point, too. Just the fact that, uh, you know, the baseball team won the national championship. I know that's got nothing to do with, uh, you know, the actual football team, but that's got to just bring so much energy and enthusiasm and, and kind of togetherness of, I, th- I would think, the entire athletic program. And just learning that uh, Mississippi State can win a national championship. They can Absolutely. compete in the SEC. We'll have to see how that uh, that wave of momentum goes into the season, but it's kind of hard to, to see it doing anything but helping the Bulldogs this year. No joke, man. I wish I owned a cowbell, you know, or a cowbell store. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be a multimillionaire because them damn things are going to be ringing like crazy this year. All right, last team, Shane Vanderbilt. Clark Lee's debut down here at SEC Media Days. And now I don't know if you saw his suit, Shane, but, my, man, it was uh, – it was pretty awesome. I mean, I got to admit, you know, maybe that is a Vanderbilt tradition because now that I think about it, Derek Mason always came out uh, looking pretty sharp too. But Clark Lee's carrying that <laughs> tradition on. And, uh, I got to be honest. I mean, I know Shane Beamer wowed everybody in uh, his debut at SEC Media Days, but Clark Lee, you know, as a guy I've, I've talked to a couple of times and I didn't know, you know, how he'd perform on this stage. And I thought, you know, the message that he had and and just uh, his vision for what Vanderbilt football can be, I was pretty damn impressed by everything he had to say. What about you? I was, but, you know, (laughs) it was a tough lineup, Mike. I mean, think about that. The Pirate, Nick Saban fast talking Jimbo coming back, trying to compete for the West. (laughs) Then you got Vandy sitting there. Now I love the story of Vanderbilt. I love what he represents for this university, because I think that's kind of the vibe they're trying to set up like a family Mm -hmm. and they're going to build from within. And and I think that's kind of, you're going to hear these players talk here in a minute. And it's just like control what you can control. Vanderbilt's not going to wow you on offense. They're not going to excite you on defense, but you know, they went through a lot last year. And if they could control what they could control and just focus on their job at hand, that's what it, it feels like is that they want to focus on details. Don't make mistakes. Let the other programs make mistakes. And that's how Vanderbilt can stay in some of these games. Uh, it's, it's a tough road. I get that. But they do have weapons, weapons you've probably not heard of, you haven't even thought about. But, you know, Vanderbilt's not a – the cupboards weren't completely bare when Coach Lee came in town. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact that uh, he brought his old football helmet that he actually wore. You know, he's a former walk-on. He's a a fullback. He's got that mentality. And I think that is, uh, you know, going to suit him well of, you know, just the the work that it – must take to be a walk-on in the SEC to earn your work your way up the depth chart that is the type of work that is needed desperately in Nashville right now to make Vanderbilt uh, you know climb that SEC ladder and make them relevant in the league so let's kick it over to coach Lee on uh, you know the year one goals and the vision of his program I thought it was pretty interesting, too. He talked about, uh, you know, we're very high on Ken Seals and, and everybody that's seen him play, I think, is. But, you know, he's not handing him anything. Uh, mentioning three quarterbacks here that are competing for the starting job. And then uh, on the uh, expectations for his team on the football field this year. 
A lot's been made about uh, having having your players earn their number, earn the logo on the helmet, go through that reset that you've talked about. How rewarding has it been to, to see these young men go through that process and grow as individuals, but also grow as a team? It's been probably the most rewarding thing that I've experienced in my career, I think. Just, um, you know, we do these things for us. They're not for anyone else. We understand the context and the significance of what we're doing. And we're trying to create something special that's shared. It's together. And um, you, you don't have to train people to be selfish anymore. But you have to train. We all need training to be unselfish and to think of others before ourselves. Um, and, you know, the jersey number uh, idea wasn't something that I had my mindset on, um, you know, any time I was going to get a head coaching job, this is what I do. It was, it was more about seeing the need and filling the need and knowing that this team needed a reset at a level where we stopped identifying ourselves through things that don't matter and started to identify as teammates first, as workers second, and as a collective effort that's charging towards a common goal. And so. Um, what, what we've seen is they've earned their numbers. Uh, what, what we saw when they earned their way into the new locker room um, is the excitement, the exuberance, the spirit of a team that's on a mission. And um, we'll continue to do that. And it starts with me. You know, um, they know, my players know well that there's not one year in my 16 of coaching that validates me for this job. I don't deserve it. I have to earn it. And that's every day. And so even those that have earned the number, it's not an ending for them. Uh, it is truly a beginning, and now they're to pull their teammates to their jerseys too. When you look at your you know, year one, what would you say your, your main focus is in order to start turning the program around? Well, we, we've insulated our program, and we, we're, you know, we're rehabbing internally first. I mean, everyone wants to have an opinion about Vanderbilt football, but I'm most concerned about the opinions that are in our building. That starts with everything that our players meet is different than it was in the past. Um, I'm not recruiting to the past. I'm recruiting to the potential. Um, I hired a coaching staff that's in total alignment and total lockstep with the vision for what's possible at Vanderbilt. That's what we focus on. And what I need is a team that, that sees that vision and, 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 work, and works to actualize that vision every single day. Um, you know, because what happens when you uh, protect the internal perception or grow the internal perception you, you, you fuel external confidence. And a team that is going to be exposed um, in the arena uh, to, comp to you know, going to be measured against an opponent needs to know a lot about themselves first. Um, and so that's where the, the focus, that's where the effort's been. And, and um, you know, it's a, every day we're, we're a work in progress. Every day there may be a new need or an adjustment to what we're doing, an adaptation, just to get this team in position to be the best it can be in 2021. Chrissy Freud, Sports Illustrated. What are your expectations for Ken uh, Seals specifically, and does he remind you of any other quarterbacks that maybe you've seen or coached in the past? Well, I, right now my expectation is that he competes for the starting job. I mean, I, you know, we have Jeremy Musa and, and Mike Wright that are that are um, you know that are going into fall camp uh, for the for the best man to earn it. That's not to take anything away from Kenny, but it's also to say that if we're going to be in an environment that everyone's to earn it every day, that needs to be a part of our mantra heading into position battles too. Um, Kenny had a great winter and spring. I think he's developed as a leader. I've, I see his confidence increasing. Um, you know, he has the ability to, with his athleticism, to extend plays um, and, to, and to convert first downs. Um, and, and he has arm talent, you know, and I think those two things at Vanderbilt are going to be at a premium. But 
I would be remiss if I didn't say that, you know, Mike Wright, Mike Wright has developed so much um, through the spring. He had a terrific spring game. Uh, and, and I'm really excited to see what he's capable of this fall. And then again, Jeremy Musa, who, you know, is as competitive as any of them, um, you know, as he, as he works to, to um, you know, to, to hone his skills this fall too. It's going to be exciting to, to know that we have three guys that can compete with each other they can sharpen each other, and that'll make our team better by the time we're playing. Uh, what are your expectations this year on both for your offense and, you know, on the defensive side of the ball as well? Offensively, um, you know, I, I, I want a, an attitude. I want an attitude and, uh, and uh, a style of play that's physical, that ha can change the pace, that uses shift motion and formation to create matchups. And when we create those matchups, we finish with catches. Um, let's design to create space for our players and let's get balls to our playmakers so that they can go do what they do. We're going to finish drives with touchdowns in the red zone and that's how we're going to be successful on offense. It's an attitude. Um, on defense, you know, obviously, I mean, if you turn uh, the film on and watch a defense play, it's all about being effort-based. It's about knowing your structures, but it's about playing really, really hard, playing harder, longer than your opponent. And so it's the swarm of the football. It's multiple hats at the finish. Um, again, we, we have to be uh, structurally sound. We have to know, you know how we design defensively around the opponent's strengths. But I want to see 11 guys that are playing together and playing, playing hard. And if we can do that, you know, we're, we're going to be competitive and we're going to be in those close games late that a, a high-character team will win. All right, Shane. So, I mean, I think it's easy to get a sense of what I was saying. Clark Lee selling his vision, and, and it certainly seems like, you know, he's really got uh, that locked in, and I don't think he's going to be wavering in, in his goals and missions there at Vanderbilt. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what they need to, you know, it's probably, you know, we've got to be perfectly honest. It's, it's going to be rough this year, I would think, but it can't be any rougher than it was. You know what I mean? So the climb <laughs> starts now. And now we got to find out how much grit this team's got because uh, I think if they surprise a couple people, if, if they follow what Coach Lee is saying here, they will manage to win a couple games. And uh, I'm just interested to see, you know, which which teams they upset this year. Well, and, and I think it all starts in that quarterback room. You know, that was one of the first questions they asked. And and does Ken Seals, does he take that step forward? Does he does he develop going into this next year? And and I think it's I hate to put it on the young man's shoulders, but that's that's what you gotta have at a team like Vanderbilt to to win some of these SEC games. Mm-hmm. Now let's kick it over. Uh, he brought two linemen with him, Bradley Ashmore, the offensive lineman, and Davion Davis, the uh, defensive lineman. They both talked about, uh, you know, what it's like playing for Clark Lee, what they've learned from him. Uh, they both uh, talked uh, about the quarterback competition. And I really love these comments from uh, Bradley Ashmore on, on fans returning. And, you know, you really – he reminded me of you, Cousin Shade, talking about, you know, just <laughs> playing on the line and there's just nothing better than being a, a football player with the fans in the stands and, and how it's – you know, there's nothing more important to him in life and – uh, you know, I, I think a lot of fans can really resonate with uh, what Ashmore had to share right here. Uh, just curious, what, what are your initial thoughts on Clark Lee and, you know, the new head coach and where you guys are headed? Yeah, yeah, it's been awesome. Uh, uh, coach Lee got here back in January and uh, we've been putting in a lot of good work since then. So, you know, we're just really excited to uh, put our product on the field. We've been having an awesome uh, offseason. 
both on the field, in the weight room, and uh, all aspects of it. So, you know, we're just really excited here getting into fall camp and uh, getting ready for the season. What has been the biggest adjustment from the Derek Mason era to the Clark Lee era for you guys? Uh, yeah, so uh, <clears throat> like I said, when Coach got back here and uh, got here in January, you know, things have just uh, ramped up. And uh, I don't want to do too much comparison before and after, but we've just been, you know, putting in a lot of work this offseason. And uh, it's, it's been going really well. Uh, we're, we're structured our training uh, very tightly. So uh, we uh, developed a lot of, a lot of discipline and uh, just moving uh, forward towards the season. Just uh, looking forward to getting into camp here and getting to work. Being on the offensive line, talk about uh, the guys you have in that quarterback room that you, you're, uh, you know, you're protecting every day in practice and in the games. Talk about the talent you've got in that quarterback room at Vanderbilt. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm extremely excited for our quarterback room. Um, uh, last year and uh, heading into this year, we've had a lot of competition. All offseason, it's been great. And uh, I'll talk about uh, Ken Seals. He's, me and him are actually roommates. And uh, Mike Wright as well. And uh, Jeremy Musa and you know, all these guys have different skill sets that they bring to the table, and they've been uh, working really hard all offseason, competing against each other. So I'm just really excited to see that competition continue into fall camp and uh, to put the best product on the field. When you look at 2021, you know, hopefully being more of a normal football season, how excited are you to you know, play in front of full stadiums again across the league as opposed to last year where you guys you know, didn't have that opportunity? Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know. Like a lot of guys, like most guys in college football, I'd say, football's my life. It's what I love to do. It's what consumes most of my time. And getting to go out in front of thousands of people and do what you love to do is just a dream come true. So I can't wait to get back out there in those stadiums and um, you know, show all this hard work that we've been putting on. So it's, I got no words for it. It's, it's, it's the best feeling in the world. And obviously, it wasn't as crazy last year, but Still, every time you step into a stadium like that is a blessing. So you just got to count them. Curious your uh, your impressions. I know it's you know been a few months now, but of Clark Lee and just kind of your expectations with him moving forward. Uh, right. Uh, as far as expectations, from what I know now, uh, Coach Coach Lee is one of the most fair men that I've ever met. Uh, he doesn't tolerate anything, no matter who it is, and you know he has a he has a very strong will, uh, very strong minded when it comes to our team and our abilities and what Vanderbilt, uh, you know, represents. So uh, I love the guy and I love the, the progression that we've made and the way that we're going. So as far as expectations, I think the sky's the limit. You know, after, you know, kind of the, the rough season that you guys went through last year, what, what are some signs uh, that you've seen already that you know or that are encouraging that you guys are going to take a step forward this year? Absolutely. I think the first one is just our respect and appreciation for where we're at. Uh, coming into this this off season, we've we've been grinding and we've been definitely learning to to respect and appreciate everything that we have. Uh, as far as you know, whether it's saying hello to the cafeteria lady to uh, making sure the weights are put up right in the weight room, everything is a detail, and we're taking a lot of responsibility for for what we can do and how we can move this program. So as far as that, I think becoming humble workers is our biggest thing, and we've been working hard. And I, and I know that good things are in store. All right, Shane. So, hey, at least it sounds like early on these players are really buying in to what Clark Lee's selling down there. And, and it just sounds like it's – there's no flash, it doesn't sound like. It's more about hard work and, and grinding out and, and earning everything down there. 
And that is what is, uh, you know, desperately needed because they're not going to be given anything in the SEC. They've got to go out there and earn it. And it, it certainly sounds like, you know, they're putting in the, the early work that's going to be required to, to build this program back up. Yeah, and I think, I, I think the biggest thing for Vanderbilt is the fact that Coach Lee's been there, that he has – I mean, he's wore the same helmet. He has grinded. He has, you know – taken advantage of the of the limited opportunities that he had at that program it, it let's face it mike it's an sec program mm-hmm. uh, we like to make fun of vanderbilt every now and then but i'm telling you what there's a lot of high school athletes out there that does not get an opportunity to play past the 12th grade and you know you cannot squander those opportunities and that's what I, you know you hear you hear the, uh, the young man speaking here and, and i can i can feel it Man, I remember my last game, and man, I'd give anything to play for for Vanderbilt. I wish they would have called me. You know, Tennessee was obviously my first <laughs> pick, but man, hell, Vanderbilt called me. I mean, you get an opportunity to play in SEC th- cathedrals. You know what I'm saying? So uh, don't don't squander the opportunity. Love love what you're doing, and uh, and I think that's what Coach Lee's going to bring to that is just that excitement and that hey, man, you're here. Let's 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 have some fun. And who knows? I mean, maybe they catch a few few teams off guard this year. Can I make a joke though? Oh yeah, yeah. Go Have ahead. you seen? <laughs> I I didn't want to do this, but I thought this picture was hilarious. Did you see the uh, the Olympics coming up? They made those uh, those no sex beds like out of cardboard. Did you see those? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, so they come across. <laughs> there's been all kinds of memes and stuff, but the one that made me laugh the hardest was they uh there was uh these pictures they said leaked photos of the no sex bed and it was a vanderbilt outfit like a vanderbilt mattress cover (laughs) (laughs) bandy pillows everything (laughs) you just had to get a jab in there when we're talking some vanderbilt football didn't you i'm sorry i'm sorry that's the vol in me baby so no i i i i felt I felt kind of bad for coach Lee. Cause like I said, you know, he went up there against some, some, some dynamite comp, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. everybody, everybody's there for Saban. Everybody's there to see what Lee, I mean, they, they're cutting these coaches off saying, Hey, we've only got two more questions. You know, you get to <laughs> Vanderbilt, you get to teams like Tennessee, you know, you know, the coaches are basically begging them to ask questions. So <laughs> I thought he did great. I thought the players did great. They handled themselves well. And, and I think that's important too, because they, they kind of Vanderbilt has this, I don't know. They had this, this, their own vibe. You know what I'm saying? It's like graduating from Vanderbilt means a lot. I mean, especially when you're getting a job. So I, I think that they work on that. They just, they sounded professional. They, you know, that's just, I don't know. I just thought they did great. Well, Shane, that's going to wrap up our coverage from day three of SEC media days. And, you know, we got three more teams to go. Don't, you know, we're not, Slight in Arkansas, Auburn, and Missouri, but though they're not, they're up on Thursday, so uh, we'll have you fully covered with them. Cannot wait! All three of these coaches, it's going to be their debuts at SEC Media Days because Sam Pittman and Eli Drinkwitz didn't have an opportunity last season, obviously, and then Brian Harson, first-year Auburn coach. So I cannot wait to see what we got the final day of SEC Media Days. But uh, hey, that's going to do it, buddy. I appreciate you hopping on the line. I appreciate each and every one of you for hanging out with us all week long, talking some SEC football. The season will be here before you know it. You got anything else before we hop off here? 
No, man, I, I, I appreciate the YouTube comments or the content, you know. I know you've been really busy. I turned the alerts on, and it's like every time you send a video out, it, it, it rings my phone, so I jump on there. That's how I was able to keep up the SEC Media Days. Uh, it's fantastic. So I appreciate the effort you put into that. Jump on there, subscribe, you know, turn your alerts on. So whenever something gets posted, you know, you got you got quick access to that. So, uh, but other than that, Mike, I, I don't have anything. I'm pumped up. We got some college football news out here. Uh, we got a few more teams tomorrow, but. Man, I got, just think about it. We're, we're talking about college football every day. This is what I love, man. We're, we're, we're a long month away from real college football. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Shane, thanks again for joining me. Appreciate each and every one of you. And we'll catch you on the next one to wrap up SEC Media Days. All right. See you guys. Go balls. Favorite movies. I mean, I got a bunch of favorite movies. Um, uh, oh, some really good ones. Uh, well, Rio Bravo, a Sting. Everybody likes Citizen Kane, and I like Citizen Kane. Um, uh, anything by Alfred Hitchcock. I would say Psycho and Rear Window would be my favorites. Oh, the uh, Rope's good, too. And then... Um, I'll tell you one that uh, you don't hear them talk about or see so much anymore is uh, um, uh, the uh, Where Eagles Dare was a great movie, all-star cast, that type of thing. And then um, and a lot of all-star cast ones really aren't very good. Um, well, because there's not enough space for everybody. You know, you try, by the time you have space for this hot shot, space for this hot shot, space for... Well, then there's no plot because all there is is these, you know. And Fargo's a great movie. Uh, Butch Cassidy, Sundance Kid, Outlaw Josie Wales. Um, wow, there's a bunch. I could be your old. A Wonderful Life is a tremendous movie. Pretty much anything by Frank Capra is a great movie. Um, the best one I've seen this year. Uh, it's got Better Call Saul in it, and it's uh, uh, called Nobody. Uh, Nobody, yeah. That's the best one I've seen this year. I mean, and we've been on kind of a drought this year, in my humble opinion. Um, besides, there's not so many. I mean, you're... Coach, we have time for two questions. We'll go in the back on your right, and then we'll he, come to the front row. He wants to talk about something other than movies, so... <laughs> he hated all those movies. All right, go ahead. I don't know about that one.
guys that I know, and I got a, you know, most fighter pilot type of guys that I know, and I got a, you know, I know some some test pilots and things. Um, <clears throat> you know, almost all of them say, yeah, I've seen some stuff out there I can't explain. They don't necessarily say it's from outer space. Sure. And and they don't even necessarily believe it's from outer space. Uh, but it's something they can't explain. It's something like, you know, is this another country doing this? Is this a uh, some kind of atmospheric thing? But that they can't explain. Um, so, I mean, there, there, there's definitely things out there. You know, where, what the source of it is, I don't know. But uh, uh, it, it has always made sense to me that there's life on other planets. I mean, we know that we're one galaxy and there's galaxy upon galaxy upon galaxy. <clears throat> and then the people that go, oh, it's impossible. How can there be anywhere else? Well, the reverse of that's uh, the, the reverse of that is a, a, a lot more likely. I mean, really, we're the only ones. We're that special. <laughs> we're the only ones. Okay, there's hundreds of galaxies out there, but we're the only ones. Well, of course we are. I mean, to, to me, that's ridiculous, and it's it, it's possible, but it's unlikely to me. I mean, the the notion that we'd be the only uh, the only civilization with any form of life. <laughs>